Mark your calendars for the Mantle Ministries Roundtable discussion with Reverend Jerry Jones and Pastor Joel Urshan at this year's Kentucky District Camp Meeting. We're also pleased to announce the Mantle Conference, a conference aimed to equip the young minister. Guest speaker, Pastor Brosom. Several keynote speakers will be selected from our very own young ministers here in the Kentucky District. Listen to the Mantle podcast wherever you are. While at the gym, while cleaning, while commuting to work. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the Kentucky District app. Everybody, thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Ministries podcast. Our next guest is Brother Cole Beebe. He's the outgoing youth president of the Florida District, having reached the age of aging out of this role. And he served as sectional leader and served as secretary and, and served as president. So he's seen the works and he speaks about even how his kids were mostly raised on the campground the last several years. And how the first year that they wanted to have 50 room McCoys, they didn't. And then finally, four years later, they have now hit the goal of 50 room McCoys. And they broke a record for MTM of raising $380,000 and how much that meant to him. And talk about dreams and legacy. And he's also the student pastor at the Pentecostals of Cooper City, pastored by Brother Mark Hattabaugh. And so we talk about legacy and we talk about mentors in his life and moments that define us and preparation and so on. And and so I'm very excited to bring you today this episode. Hope you're blessed by it. Thank you for joining us. Hey, hey, Brother Cole Beebe, how are you doing today? What's going on, sir? How are you? I'm doing well. Doing pretty good on this cold, crisp Kentucky day. Is it? Is it? Uh, how's the weather down in your neck of the woods? Well, it's a little rainy, but let's see. The temperature is a frigid... Um, like 72? 67. So this 67. is... 67. This is winter for us. Yeah. Yeah, the sweaters are being busted out. Mm-hmm. My so wife on. boots today, I'm sure, because yeah. it's one of the days of the year she can do that. That's right. That's right. I'd have a hard time. Uh, so I've been out of Florida for a long time, and I went back to visit um, for something, and it, it kind of freaked me out. I guess I've just not, you know, the palm trees, I felt like I was on a foreign planet at that point. Yeah. I was used to the rolling hills of Kentucky and, you know, grass mm -hmm. that doesn't have sand between every blade. <laughs> true true we're, we're our own little country down here yeah 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 for sure for sure well we go way back um mm -hmm. this is before the lord began to use hardly you know any of us you know before we got redeemed and sanctified um yeah. of course uh i hung out a lot with with your younger brother caleb and uh you were the the older high school you know getting your life together going to gateway which gateway is very retro of you brother like gateway yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm old enough. When I when people ask me where I went to Bible school, I tell them Gateway, and they look at me like, "What is that?" And I go, yeah. like, Urshan now." Yeah. Do you walk up to like the Urshan booth? Like, do they have like Gateway nights when they get everybody back together, like a general conference, or is it like a breaking they point? They do uh, have like Gateway alumni stuff, but and I I probably shouldn't tell this right out of the gate. I was kind of a hoodlum in Bible. Uh -huh. <laughs> fully saved afterwards. So yeah. When they have those alumni uh, meetings, some I guess my my invitation gets lost in the mail or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I went only for one year to IBC, and uh, you know that you've been forgotten. People are like, 
you know, people you room with, the people you hung out with a lot, like, hey, did you go for one semester? Like, bro, I was there a whole year. Yeah. And so by like year number four, I visited like the next year I left, the year after that, I still had friends. But there's nothing more gut-wrenching than going to show up on campus or to show up at the booth after like five or six years of being gone. Yeah. I mean, you feel, I mean, it was like an emotional upheaval experience. Yeah. First of all, they're getting younger and younger, which is the wildest thing. Yeah. And then when I went back, I was like, I thought I, I thought like I looked older at Bible school. I didn't realize I was, you know, yeah, looked like I was 16. We're getting older and they're getting younger, something like that. That's right. So, I mean, obviously I already would, would have mentioned it, but you just finished your last year's youth president, right? Yeah. So in, uh, well, I'm currently in the last few months in okay. February, last week of February, we'll have our district conference. And they will send me out to pasture with the rest of the dinosaurs. I'm, I'm 36 now. My birthday is that same week. Um, so I'll be 37, you know, either the day of the election or how, however it falls. Oh, that's, super, that's like poetic. After. And, um, but we have a great team in Florida. It's going to be in great hands. And I'm looking forward to what God's going to do over the next few years. There's positive momentum in the youth division here in Florida. And I just know that it's going to just continue going higher and higher. Yeah. I saw you, you had a great year. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, 380,000 raised from the mission this year, 50 room McCoys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we've been blessed. Um, our, our students caught the vision, uh, over the last, uh, four years, we went from four real McCoys to 13 real McCoys to 31 real McCoys to 51 real McCoys. Man. And, uh, Brother Jeremy Stafford, General Youth Secretary, he kind of got the ball rolling promoting um, Real McCoy. And uh, our first year, we had more chaperones at our, our Real McCoy event than we had. <laughs> yeah. This year, we had 51 combined to raise over $70,000 just by students, which helped us set an all-time uh, Florida district record. So, so yeah, yeah got into us here. Yeah. Well, if anybody that's watching this has never been to a Florida youth event, camp meeting, either sort, I, like my parents evangelized, as you know, and so we were around it, and I remember just being impacted. Um, there's, I mean, there's many great districts, but in each, even among the greatest, there's different tones, there's different vibes. You just, Florida's, I love the campground. I love being down there. Um, it's just a strong culture, and yep. um, and I'm excited for everything's going on with y'all, for sure. So uh, let's get into this, okay? So All right. I, I, Shot you the questions. I said, we may come, we may not. We'll see what happens. So we may cry. We may laugh. We may cry because we laughed. We, we'll see what happens. How <laughs> If we can get out of this without you know, destroying either of our ministries, we'll be doing pretty good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, so um, the theme of this, of this podcast is the mantle that Elijah and Elisha passed, you know, and, and it unified them. And, and we'll get to all the different details about it. But firstly... I think that we skip too quickly to the Elisha side of the story. Elisha gets the mantle. Elisha now has to has to uh, own up and, and have the double portion. Or even whenever he begins to be called by Elijah, it's Elisha's got to be faithful. Elisha's got to stay with him. And those are all true. But I think it's powerful that Elijah, he's calling down fire from heaven, and he's ending droughts, and he's afraid of Jezebel, saying, Lord, let me die in the wilderness. He's yeah. hearing a still small voice of the Lord in a cave. And God's like, here, here's how I'm going to fix you. In the prime of your ministry, ups and downs and everything, I want you to go and invest in, in this young man, Elisha's life. And it changed everything, I think, for him and Elisha. 
who were the Elijahs in your life? Thinking back, who were the voices, whether personally or maybe even from afar, that affected you the most? Yeah, um, I'd have to say there's several uh, people that have had that mentor, uh, mentee kind of relationship connection. Some of them, like you said, were up close and personal. Some of them from a distance. Some of them for long seasons of life and some uh, just, you know, briefly. Mm -hmm. Um, My, of course, my father who pastors in South Carolina. uh, I was raised there, raised in that church, Home Missions Church kind of put in me the, um, the, my parents, uh, let me, let me add my mom. They put in me just the love for the truth, the love for the ministry, the love for the house of God, faithfulness, commitment, um, uh, that the, that the Lord and, and his house was the priority. They placed all of that in me and, um, you know, I'm forever grateful to them. They also exposed me and gave me access to, uh, ministers and, and leaders, uh, as they came through to preach for us in my formative years. And I'm not just saying this cause I'm on your podcast in my formative years, your father, brother Griffiths, uh, yeah. y- y'all preach for us quite a bit. Yeah. And anybody that knows, uh, um, your father is a tremendous preacher, a, mm-hmm. a truly tremendous preacher. And I, I admired that and, and coveted that, uh, desired to be a, a, a great preacher and um, some real impactful moments was just sitting around the dinner table at night on a Sunday night when I should be going to bed, getting ready for school the next day, right. just hearing stories of preaching and ministry from my dad and your dad. Um, also, of course, for 14 years, I've been here at the Pentecostals of Cooper City and Mark Hattaball, my pastor, has uh, had a tremendous effect on my life. Um, his love for missions, his love for um, the big event, but also for the individual Mm-hmm. You'd have to see him on a Sunday morning. Um, he shakes hundreds and hundreds of hands every Sunday morning. He hugs hundreds of necks every Sunday morning, kind of passing on that love for people, that personal touch. Um, that That's something that I truly want to uh, get a double portion yeah. of that. He's been an Elisha or an Elijah in my life. And then uh, less of, you know, long standing just there's been men in my life that I've admired from a distance um that have what I see as similar ministry styles of course they're far far more advanced than I am but I've looked uh when I say ministry styles just things that I emulate things yeah. that I study their books their their sermons their their churches that I've studied and uh there's a, many of those to name I I'll, my Probably all-time favorite preachers uh, would be Jerry Jones and Scott Graham, just classical Bible preachers. And um, I've, from a long distance, kind of admired their ministry and and tried to take what I could and pattern my ministry after it. So um, that would be my my answer. Yeah. You know, um, it's becoming a soapbox a little bit for me over the last couple episodes, but I was reading about Paul speaking at in the church of um, in Thessalonica, and he's talking about, "Hey, uh, your example is is affecting other churches." And he said, "Also, you begin to imitate me." And he says it over and again other other churches, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Right. And I think something it's like a a dangerous uh, twisting of humility, where we say, "Hey, don't look at me, look at Christ." And I get where it's coming from, 
But then Paul is saying, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like if you can pick up how I pray, pick up how I walk, pick up how I handle my family, I hope it affects you. And I think people, it hinders the mentor-mentee relationship when both don't see there's value in like, you're, I'm going to start falling step and step with you. And I think, especially in ministry, especially in pulpit ministry, people get afraid of that, right? Like you right. said, people I want to emulate. And you don't want to, you want to find yourself, obviously, but you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You want to, you want to stand upon the shoulders that went before you. And I, I remember, um, you know, like you mentioned reference to my father, um, and we won't make this podcast about him. He hasn't sponsored this or paid me enough to mention too much about him. Um, but he was, you know, oratory preacher wrote yeah. out beautiful sermons, you know, stood there by the pulpit, flat footed, you just, and, um, I remember I starting out, I, I would try to read them word for word. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So one time I got, I memorized it and I, and it was like a world of difference for my, nobody, maybe no more blessings happen in people's lives, but I felt better about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it bothered me. I was like, you know what? I think I may just not be a preacher because I've only seen it done this one way. I was going to you know, at 17, you're like little things and can get, can ship you up. And, um, I heard Jeff Arnold preaching at Bot um, back in like the nineties. And, um, he just had his outline. He said, I've studied this. I got notes you, know, you don't see. And he said, I hope you enjoy this today because I told Jesus all about it. And he liked it. Yeah. So, I know he was joking, but it clicked. And I was like, I've been talking mine out to God and memorizing. And it just, it's, it's freeing to see someone yeah. that you identify with. That's how they think. I think that way. That's how they prepare. I prepare that way. I think it makes all the difference. And this is a segue as people aren't catching on. Were there moments in your life, whether with the direct involvement of these men or they started something that the Lord followed up in, in a moment? I like to call them mantle moments. Was there a moment at camp as a young man? Was there a moment at Bible school? Was there a moment where you just knew something had shifted in my life? It, was there a moment like that for you? Um, I'm going to give an answer that you might not expect. Go ahead. Lots of people talk about the moment they were called or. Mm -hmm. Um, when they uh, accepted the call, I might be I might be a, a unicorn here. Maybe not. Maybe there's more of us out there. I don't remember a specific moment when I decided I'm going to be a preacher or that God has called me. In fact, when people ask me about that, I hope this doesn't sound odd. No. Since I was five years old, all I ever wanted to be was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. My dad was, you know, when you're yeah. five years old, your dad is the coolest guy in the world. He was a preacher uh, that made preaching the coolest thing in the world. That's what I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, there were definitely moments where I saw something or experienced something and I thought, I want to add that. I want to, I want that piece for myself. And I'll give an example. And I could have mentioned him in those ministers from afar, but somebody a little younger, uh, we just had Aaron Bounds do our youth convention. Yeah. And I've had the, the opportunity to hang out with him a couple of times and it's been such a blessing. Um, and when he talks about the Lord at the dinner table, when he talks about ministry or teaching a Bible study or winning a soul, He'll get teared up and he'll have to fight back and he'll get, he'll get like passionate there at the table. And it's so sincere. And I'll be, I'll be looking at him and I'll be thinking, I, I need that. Like I right. want, I want to love 
the people and the process and the relationship with God and the church so much that I, that I almost can't contain it. And, um, so while, uh, I can't necessarily say, I, I remember a moment when a mantle was passed to me, I do remember moments. And I, if I, if I were to just kind of spitball here, I could come up with several, but I do remember several moments when I saw something, I watched something take place and I thought, I want to do that. I want to be like that. I want to emulate that. I want to pass that on. I don't want this to die with them. Um, right. My pastor, he has done youth on missions for 30 years. He's taken probably at this point, thousands of people all over the world, every continent and exposed uh, hundreds and hundreds of young people to missions and, and ministry. And, uh, for seven, the last seven years that he did it, I went with him. And there were lots of times on those trips, both in the pulpit, doing street evangelism and sitting around the table when I looked at him and thought, what a what an impact on a generation, uh, what an impact on the world. And uh, I want I want to I want to take that and pass that on uh be the bridge from, from him to me, to someone else. So yeah, it continues forever. And so, um, more, more just observing and experiencing the anointings of these men that, that I've desired to emulate and desired to possess for myself and, and pass on, uh, than, than a singular moment. Right. Right. I, I remember there was a moment for me where I was sitting at, um, and the name of the conference escapes me. Um, it's at Bellevue, Florida, and it's uh, uh, Touch the Future. Touch the Future. That's right. And it's geared towards young ministers, and they'll have a seasoned minister do the main session, and then they'll have a keynote speaker that is, you know, sometimes starting out for the first time, sometimes they're more established, but just younger in years, less gray hairs, you know, more hair, honestly, on the head, <laughs> uh, <laughs> more hair to scalp ratio, and. Um, I remember I met Brother Joey Campitella a couple of years before that. He preached at our church. And um, so I went to Touch the Future because he'd been talking to me, and I started to call him. And and uh, he asked me a weird question, right? And I, I'm, I like you. I never had any moment where it was like, this is it. I have arrived. Like, I see the mantle falling. Like, here we go. Um, I felt just kind of a, a theme, you know, a reoccurring kind of, you know what? I've always felt called to this. I always felt a burden for this. And I really respected the natures of these people I was seeing. And though I wanted to imitate, you know, imitate their ministries, I also wanted to, I wanted their perspective. I wanted to live as they lived. I wanted to have the nature they had. Because right. um, if I can have the nature, then I can have the nurturing. If I can have the fruits of the spirit, I can have the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. He asked one day, we're eating pizza after or whatever, after the service. And I was 16. And he said, uh, he said, hey, do you pray? I was like, yeah, yeah, I pray. What do you mean do I pray? And the question baffled me because I was, this is where I was at 16. I was like, I pray. Like, I pray before I eat. I pray before bed. He's like, no, no, do you pray? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, do you talk to God as if, like, God's there? Like, you treat him as you would another person in your life? And I said, uh, no, I don't. And I never even thought about doing that. Like, I yeah. never. I is carnal, I guess, as I, I never thought about, I had to treat God better than I would treat a future spouse. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just rocked my world. And it wasn't, he didn't like lay hands on me and say, you know, such as I have, yeah. I give to you. He didn't say like, here, you've begun. 
just one moment seeing like this is how he perceives God, and it totally met, messed yeah. me up in a good way, you know, yeah. in a very good way. Yeah, um, I've had those experiences, and I don't mean to cut you off, but no, go ahead. I've had those experiences with peers, with yeah. with friends, um, with uh, people younger than me. Uh, like for instance, just recently, I was with some uh, other uh, peer ministers my age, and they were talking about the books that they read, and I was sitting there going. Got to read more. Got to read. Mm-hmm. Got to study more. And um, you know, that's that when Scripture talks about iron sharpening iron, that's what that means. That that means when we're together and we provoke each other to good works and we inspire each other to better. Right. And uh, we are the body of Christ, and we're we're working in conjunction together. And, and I hope that sometimes when I'm with those guys and I'm just looking at them like, oh, I want to be like them. I hope that that there are times when that's happening in the inverse and they're right. going, you know, Brother BB has some things that I want to apply to my life and, and we're and we're iron sharpening iron. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, and I'll tell you, not just because you're on my podcast, you were complimenting me a little bit, my family, my father, you know, I'll throw it back at you. You came and, and ministered for us at a youth rally uh, two years ago. And fantastic job. I mean, oh. fa- spoke to me, spoke to our section. Incredible job. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unique to see someone that you grew up with, even though there's a little bit of an age gap. Um, it was just, it was, it's incredible to see God work people's lives. And like, not to, you know, I sound like an old man, you know, like <laughs> I, you've done things that I've yet to do. But just seeing them, and God's yeah. good. And thank God there are people that are willing like to to break the bread and to die daily and to lead and and be led and and uh, it's just cool to see God move in our lives. Cool, it sounds like a Absolutely. disrespectful word, but it's amazing what God yes. can do through people. And uh, so that shouted you out there. See that? Oh. We'll we'll apply all this contact information in the bottom <laughs> of the of the caption. <laughs> book now, the book now coming to a city near you. Yeah. Oh man. So let's let's go into this then. Um, so. In that moment that many are familiar with it, Elijah is crossing the Jordan River. He takes off the mantle. He slaps the Jordan River and the, and the river parts. And Elisha's the only one to follow. There's other sons of the prophets that don't follow. So this has been preached. You know, I guess stay close to the man of God. Yeah. And he, he walks across with, with Elijah. And the chariot of fire comes and takes Elijah up to heaven, right? And the mantle falls. And man, it's poetic and powerful. This is the moment you dream yeah. of, right? The mantle hits the ground, and Elisha picks it up. And there's like a little bit of an audience across the river. Right. And he takes it, and he 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 twirls it up, and he smacks the Jordan River. And it parts just like it did for, for Elijah. You know what I mean? If I was Elijah at this point, I'd feel bad. At this point, I'd feel good. Um, and I often thought, as a younger man, like, this was the moment he grabbed the mantle, and the power rushed upon him. And God's like, listen, Jack, he picked up that mantle in spirit. The first moment it was put upon his shoulders when he's plowing the field. Sure. And he never yeah. let it go, really. This right. was a culmination. This wasn't a becoming. Like, he had to pray like Elijah. He had to learn how to study and prepare. And I think younger, especially, you know, when I was 17, and people will be listening to this at all ages, the, the mantle is a symptom, right? The pulpit's a symptom. I know we can preach this to death, but he was becoming something. That mantle's about not just the obligation or the role. It's the nature. It's the becoming that he's receiving from his Elijah. So what, what is it? This is prayer. This is devotion. This is daily routine. This is getting our daily bread. This is preparing for our ministry, our craft. 
what does it look like first? Like if, if, if you were speaking to an 18 year old, a 23 year old, if even there's even um, pastors that are under in their mid thirties pastoring right now, and they're trying to balance being bi bivocational or whatever, how, how do you do your daily bread? What, what, what principles have you learned and how does that segue into like even sermon prep? Yeah. Um, it's about habits. Um, and bad habits are easy to form and good habits are often very difficult to form. Um, we call good habits disciplines a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but they work the same way. You know, you build into your mind kind of a, uh, a pattern that you do your very best not to deviate from. For me, um, I got three small kids in the, in the home. Um, the house can be a little chaotic. We live in South Florida where the cost of living is pretty high. So we don't have a palatial mansion. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, uh, so I don't, I, you know, I, this is one of those things that I've looked at people and said, I want that. And I've not quite, uh, had it happen yet. I don't r arise at 4am and, and call down fire from heaven. <laughs> yeah. Um, my habit has been for years, uh, we're very blessed. We have a, a church school here. All of my children attend it. Um, it. The school day begins at 8. Office hours begin at 9. I drop the kids off at 8. I have an hour to myself in the church, in the prayer room, in the sanctuary, wherever, uh, wherever I find myself wandering and praying. Um, and I spend that eight o'clock to nine o'clock hour, uh, in devotion. I don't, I don't, uh, check sports scores. I don't respond to emails. I, 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 it is my habit. Um, and sometimes you can, you can get weak on your habits, something, you know, something, mm -hmm. something can distract you, but this is what I have tried to discipline myself to do. And this is not uh, sermon prep time. This is along with God time. Uh, I read my Bible. I pray when I'm reading my Bible. If something jumps out to me, that can be uh, sermon prep. Yeah, I might jot it down, but I put that away. Um, I, that that comes later. I want to spend time uh, consuming God's Word for my personal edification, for my personal discipline. I want to spend time praying, repenting. Uh, confessing, asking, being thankful every day as uh, and as often as I possibly can. Another thing that um, I try to do, uh, I've heard it said, um, you know, it's not about how long you pray, but how often you pray. And so I, I try not to fall into the, the habit or the mindset of, um, I prayed to, I prayed this morning, you know, leave me alone, God. You know, I did my duty. Right. I tried uh, driving down the road, um, walking from the car to the office, just those moments that I can steal away from myself. I don't, I'm not trying to say that I'm uh, some mighty man of valor in prayer, but I will just say, thank you, Lord. God, you've been good to me. You know, Lord, I don't deserve it. Uh, and I'll just have these tag ends with Jesus throughout the day. I try to, I try to try to make that a habit. I try to let my kids see and hear me do that. Um, yeah. Let them just see me throughout the day, referencing the blessings of the Lord, thanksgiving unto the Lord, um, commitment to the Lord. Um, 
So those are kind of my daily habits. You mentioned sermon prep. Um, I try, I, I want my sermons to be born uh, in that season of devotion. I don't want to, I don't want to read my Bible looking for sermon material. I want to read my Bible to consume it. But I want, uh, my prayer is that as as that gets into my heart, when it comes time to prepare a sermon, God's word is in me and, and he can spark what he wants me to say. Yeah. Uh, nine times out of 10, I wish it was 10 times out of 10, but nine times out of 10, um, a scripture reference will, uh, I will feel a passage or a scripture reference um, or a, a, a topic, whether it be repentance or or deliverance or a deeper commitment will be placed on my heart. I'll feel it uh, burdened in prayer, burdened in my spirit. I've told people before, you know, we all feel like the Lord speaks to us in different ways. I feel like I know the Lord is speaking to me when, when a thought comes on the mind or to the heart and it will not leave me. So right. I go to bed with it on my mind. I wake up in the morning with it on my mind um, throughout the day for 48 hours, 72 hours. It, this is just like a, a constant theme in my mind. I know, okay, the Lord either wants me to personally study this and, and, and ingest this for myself, or this is something that the Lord's laying on my heart. From there, um, I, st I, I believe we should start with the text. We should start with scripture. Um, then all of our anecdotes and stories and silly one-liners and all of that can be added in. But I'm we should put a warning on this episode, a trigger warning. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to trigger some people. We should never use the scripture to enhance our ideas. Right. Uh, we should approach sharing God's word with God's word first. Right. And... Um, I do, I do know this. I do know that, that you'll read an article here or there or see a billboard or hear a song or be in conversation with something and something will be said and you'll go, oh, whoa, let me write mm -hmm. that down. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but, um, but the word of God should be our primary source of inspiration at the word of God and the Rima word of God when he speaks to you in prayer. And so daily devotion, daily devotion should lead into that uh, preparation to minister to others, even right. though daily devotion is not primarily for that. So that right. was a mess, I think. But no, it, I think it was great. I think that was fantastic. And it is about intentions, right? I, yeah. I feel the same way about how prayer and devotion it, it the the sermon becomes a fruit of it. You get a thought and you you pin it. You and you, and you come back later, and I just, I wouldn't know any other way to to do it. I think it'd be very difficult just to show up cold and be like, "What am I going to preach?" If I don't have that relationship going on, and and uh, I was talking to to a young guy about this is, uh, you know, people sometimes, especially young guys, like, "Hey, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up. Like, I'm just give up ministry. I can't preach. I just know he likes me. <laughs> Whatever the list." <laughs> Uh, my altar calls bomb, you know, you know, that is. So I was like, well, you, sh you should quit then. You should stop. You should stop trying to be a preacher. I said, but if you get up and you, you're going to pray tomorrow, right? Yeah. You're going to read your Bible tomorrow, right? I said, yeah. I said, so that means you're going to, God's going to speak to you, right? Yeah. So the only difference is you're going to stop writing it down. 
Like if you have the prayer and devotion right, you can't quit. Really, you can walk away, you can have a falling out, you can separate yourself. But if if none of those things are true, and you're just like, I just don't want to do it anymore. If if your prayer and devotion is consistent, then your sermon preparation will be consistent. You know, it's it feeds into it. Um, you know, like I I tell my young people because young people can be very. Uh, they'll watch them on YouTube and they're like, I can hear from God. You know, <laughs> YouTube. I mean, I have a pro, what, prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, okay, we read our Bible first before we go to YouTube. Right. Um, and I was like, if God's speaking to you, he's either going to speak you to the word or speak from the word. So yes. like, if he yes. stops you, you should be able to go find it in the word and go, there right. it is. Or as you're reading the word, God goes, go talk to me about this. Like yeah. the word, the one who wrote it, if you talk to him in the presence of the one who wrote it, it comes alive. And he's not going to cut his word out, Jack, and replace it with your own opinion. Otherwise... We're getting into some wild territory. So I think that, that what you're saying is, is, is beautiful. And I've often found that people that do these things, like to you, it may seem normal. Like, this is what I do. But I think it's a key for some people that, oh, the prayer and devotion is this close to preparation. And it is. You can't separate. If you do, you're not going to make it. You're not creative enough, funny enough, or wise enough. You know, right. unless you're, you know, Max Licato or something, you maybe can pull it off. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and um, people get into bad habits when they're not allowing the Lord to lead them and guide them, when they're not allowing Scripture to be their primary source. Um, you mentioned a soapbox a minute ago, so I'm going <laughs> to soapbox. Definitely going to have to get your trigger warning ready. <laughs> um, I love the diversity of ministry we have in the Apostolic Church. I fully believe in the fivefold ministry. Um, I don't believe any office of the fivefold ministry can operate uh, beyond or outside of the parameters set for us by the Word of God. Right. Um, so you can, I believe in prophets, I believe in apostles. Um, but if you feel that you have risen to that status and now, therefore, you can take the pulpit with little preparation, with little forethought. Um, and you can just begin to share what what God told you or what the angels spoke. And I believe God speaks, and I believe that angels minister to us. I believe that. I hope that I hope that is that doesn't sound like a, a, a false disclaimer. I truly do. But I've heard too many times God say, or, or or preachers say, God told me, and I thought, No, He didn't. <laughs> Because his word does not agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, last night at convention, you told me or you said that God told you something that now you're contradicting with what God supposedly told you. Yeah. We have all thought, we have all believed, oh, I just received revelation. Oh, I just heard from God. And uh -huh. then started studying in the Bible and came to the realization, oh, no, I was way off on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you haven't, um, either you don't think you hear from God or you don't think you need to, uh, you need to guard yourself mm. by making sure what you preach, what you share, what you're discerning, what you're hearing in prayer fits within the parameters of scripture. Right. And um, that's my soapbox. And I hope that doesn't offend Here, anyone. Let me, uh, how big is a soapbox? Can I like step on it just for a moment? <laughs> It's a big soap. 
Uh, I was reading about Caiaphas, right? And the Bible says that the Lord spoke to him. Dream revision, you can re it was dream revision, okay? So God spoke to Caiaphas, the high priest, that's about wanting Jesus to die, okay? He's turning him over to Rome, kill him. And the Lord actually said to Caiaphas, he said, hey, the death of this man Jesus is going to redeem the nations, which is true. The yeah. death, the spotless lamb. You know what Caiaphas interprets it as? He tells all of his buddies, he goes, listen, if we don't kill this guy, God is saying that the Romans will come and take us over. So by killing him, the Romans will be safe from the Romans. The man was so spiritual that he could hear God in a dream and a vision, but he wasn't consecrated to the word of God. Right. Like being sensitive to burdens is not the same as being grounded with the word. And man, this soapbox is good. I like the soapbox. It's comfy <laughs> on the soapbox. Yeah. Like uh, Peter hears, sees Jesus, right? And Jesus, yeah. he says, at your word, I'll step out. And sometimes we just see Jesus and jump out of the boat. We don't say, like, yeah. at your word. And people are drowning, but they're spiritual, but yeah. there's no word. Yeah, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees, who are the most learned men in Scripture. And he tells them, search the Scriptures. They speak of me. You don't know what they say. Yeah. Um, sometimes we can get in a habit of thinking, well, I know, I know what the Bible says. If I hear something, it feels generally good to me. Um, I, I'll just wing it. Um, and then, man, the scripture, the scriptures, there's a lot, there's a lot in there mm -hmm. and you don't, man, I am fearful. I'll just speak for myself. I'm not going to say, I don't ever want to get in the pulpit and say, God told me. And then the next day in my morning devotion, read and go, Oh, smokes god didn't tell me that right <laughs> and i think bad habits it's i think bad habits can lead to this i think an elevated view of ourself can lead to this when i say bad habits uh sometimes guys great intentions consecrated dedicated men that pray men that fast um their ministry style is to kind of uh flow and operate in the spirit and and many many times that is so powerful, so anointed, um, and I, I I emulate it, and I go, I want to, I want to make sure that I flow in the spirit and hear from God even in the pulpit. But sometimes people begin to depend on uh, what happened before and expect it to happen again, and their their preparation begins to diminish. Yeah, their forethought begins to diminish, and when that happens, you'll notice. Sometimes people, they talk about the same themes in every sermon. They talk about the same ideas. They, uh, there's some rambling. There's some finding and searching. Um, and, and everybody's style, as long as it's in the book, is, is fine with me. But prepare. Prepare your heart in that devotion. Prepare your mind and your thoughts. You don't have to transcript your sermons. I write every word I intend to say. Uh, you know, 14, 15 pages of notes, transcripted, 18.5. Some of my dearest friends, people whose ministries I admire with the utmost respect, they don't do any of that. They preach mm -hmm. with no notes. They memorize their sermons. They they uh, draw pictures or, or bullet points. Totally different. And I, I, I appreciate and love it all. But I know those men have prepared not only uh, in prayer, uh, but they've prepared in their devotion to the word. They've prepared mm -hmm. in their mind. They've prepared their thoughts. And um, and I think that's really valuable for 
uh, young ministers. And I know that this audience is going to be young ministers. So let me let me just do this. I'm not an old guy. I'll be 37 in February. I'm not an old guy, but I, I'm, I might be older than some of you. And I might have, uh, um, be careful when you watch a guy, let's say uh, Brother Joel Urshan, who is one of my favorite preachers. Uh, you watch Brother Urshan and he preaches with little to no notes and it's a masterpiece. And you decide for my fourth sermon that I'm ever going to preach, I'm going to go to the pulpit with zero notes and I'm going to Joel Urshan it. Good <laughs> luck. Yeah. You know, good luck with that. You know, he has prepared for a lifetime. He has prepared right. his mind and his heart. And, um, and so, okay. End of soapbox, prepare, prepare your mind, prepare your heart, prepare in prayer, prepare in the word, uh, prepare for the, 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 uh, the meeting or the event that you're going to participate in. If you're going to a funeral, don't do your best Jeff Arnold impersonation. Yeah. If you're doing a youth <laughs> service, don't preach about the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. Be, you know, yeah, that's right. You know, Pay attention to what's going on, and um, th yeah. there, there is enough room in our theology for some practicality, yeah. and, and God will bless it. Yeah, like uh, being spiritual isn't a loophole to preparation. Like, it builds upon it. Like yes. Jesus said, I'll bring to you remembrance, and people think he said, I'll magically download into you in that moment. He <laughs> yes. said, no, we've been hanging out for three years. I've taught you some stuff. Yeah. I'll bring it back to you. Yeah. Right. I, um, I was... Uh, so I now it's I mean, started as nineteen, I'm twenty eight. So I preach without notes, but I have extensive notes. I just Correct. memorize them. I go over them like three or four times. So by the time I walk up on a Sunday, it feels like I've done that sermon four or five times. Yeah. But some some uh, seasoned saints, especially, um, let's just say some seasoned saints, they think like one lady. She said, "Hey, that was amazing. You just get up there and let God use you, and you just you just say stuff, make it up." I was like, make it up. Does that mean I, it sounded like I made it up or are you just impressed? I don't know yeah. how to take this, sis. Yeah. Uh, but I noticed with younger guys in my youth group, as they begin to come up and want to be in ministry, they just thought I was just standing and making it up too, right? Yeah. And um, and I remember this one guy, he 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 just, after like three, probably three years, he, you know, once a year he'd get this. I was like, you got to use notes. This is yeah. not you. Write it down. When you write it down, you were you were great. You've got to yeah. use notes. You start sweating without notes. You got to use notes. Yeah. He's got it, and it's it's preparation defines us all. And but you got to work out your own salvation. I think this applies here too. Preparation is a through line. You're not so unique that you don't have to prepare. Even though as you prepare, you'll kind of know yourself by your own fruits. And if you're yeah. going to be different in some way. At least try that out for a little bit. Have some trial runs before you're like, listen, this is how I roll. Like you've been preaching five minutes. What do you mean this is how you roll? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and I'm not trying to suggest that we all should fit into a, a typical ministry box, uh, yeah. so a specific ministry box. A good friend of mine, uh, he's launching a church in, in um, Houston, Texas area, the Rosenberg, Texas, uh, Stephen Gutrich. We served here. Uh, for many years, he said something probably 14 years ago to me, and it it locked away in my mind. I'll never forget it. He said, "When people say this is what it's all about, what they really mean is this is what I'm all about." Hmm. So, uh, some people are going to come along, and they are going to uh, they are going to profess that their ministry style, their preparation style, is the only way. Mm -hmm. if Use notes. You're a reprobate. If you don't use notes, you're unprepared. If you, right. whatever, whatever. 
uh, I believe in the diversity of ministries. I believe in God gives us our own personalities, our own aptitudes, um, our own skill sets, and he expects us to use them those ways. When I talked about emulating different ministers, um, I don't mean imitating different ministers. I mean, how many young preachers back in the 90s Voice and everything. had to call them in and say, you cannot be Jeff Arnold, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. And I don't mean imitate. I mean, emulate. Look at them and go, man, that's something that I see as a valuable portion of, of ministry. And I would love to, I'd love for that to get in my heart and then come out of me organically. And um, so do your style, do your thing. With, with coaching and practicing and yeah. trial and error. Uh-huh. Trial. Another thing I tell young preachers, they'll say, how do I get better? And I'll go, man, it just takes at bats, you know? Yeah. You just got to get your hundred shots up at the end of practice. And what that's going to look like is teach home Bible studies, teach a Sunday school class, do kids church, do youth service, listen to hundreds of sermons, uh, read sermons, read the Bible, and just... As time goes on, your voice will develop, your style will develop, your your comfortability with preparation will develop. And, and that you, my pastor says all the time, one miracle Jesus never did in the Bible is he never took a baby and turned him into an adult. Um, it, it's meant to be a process of time. Yeah. And your ministry, your relationship with God, all of that is meant to be a process of time. You will not go from... Uh, brand new to a seasoned minister overnight. Even mm-hmm. the guys that you think they're in their early 20s and their ministry is exploding, you don't realize they toiled away for years and years in in an unremarkable setting, but in a remarkable devotion unto God that that is bringing forth fruit at a young age. And um, you can do that. You can, you can experience that, but you're also, there's also going to be a time element that you can't, you know, you can't despise that time element that, that you're going to have to experience. Right. You can't skip it. I wish I could help people skip it. Like I've thought about it. Like, like if one of my kids feels called, like, how can I pump, like bumper rails? Can I skip the mess ups? Can I skip the painful services where the church ministered to you more than you ministered the church? And it's like, you, I don't think you can. I mean, you can try to help them as much, prepare. You can teach them how to pray. You can do all those things. But getting up there, you just, the knees are going to shake and you're going to yeah. have sweat stains on your plexiglass pulpit. I mean, it's just going to be a thing. Uh, of course, our pulpit's so monstrous. You sit behind it. It's built yeah. for a six foot four guy. Yeah, it's you built survive for a car wreck. A Kia could hit me behind that pulpit. I'd be fine. I'd be fine. <laughs> I'd be fine. Uh, yeah. You know, a little, little, I remember, uh, I was probably, it's probably 2014. I was probably 18 and uh, Bible school and so on. And a, a young guy got up and began to, to speak and minister. And I was like, was he British five minutes ago? And I was like, well, who's your hero? And he's like, it's Lee Stone King. I was like, bro, yeah. you're, you, you, gotta, you can't do the voice thing, man. You've, no, no. You, you just outed yourself for sure, for yeah. sure. Anyways, this that soapbox that was a, I mean that was a that wasn't a soapbox that was a pillar we built a pillar we did we a did. monument yes um, so I, I want to ask you too and this will segue into another question so you you preached that your holiday youth commission right so was this your last service you preached the district yes how did that feel you know I mean I don't want to open it maybe it's a soft spot or whatever but like you're no. you're about to walk up on the platform you see the steps you're getting ready to have your Bible in your hand. How did that feel? What did you go through? Memories, 
just yeah. my life is changing. And as you preached and were finished, what was that like for you? Yeah, good question. And very much, um, there was very, it was a very different feeling. As a youth pastor, as a youth minister, um, I try to be creative and, you know, relatable and use the language that students understand. Um, I try to come up with catchy and fun titles and um, knowing this was my last opportunity to speak to that group. All of that kind of was out the door. Mm -hmm. I knew that, um, you know, I've been in this long enough to know the crowd at 2023 youth convention and the crowd at 2024 youth convention is going to be a different crowd. Mm -hmm. There's going to be people that don't make it that year. Um, there's going to be people that are in the altar on Friday night of this year's youth convention. And by March or April, they're not even attending church. Mm -hmm. And I, this is, it was kind of like a, what would I say if it was the last thing I could say? Uh, and cause it in a way was, and what would I want somebody to say to my children? And so I preached, um, briefly, I'm not going to preach my sermon here. I preached the day the door closes, um, about how Noah, prepared his children, their lives, um, into their adulthood, uh, for years and years and years, he prepared them for the day the door closed. Um, nothing mm -hmm. else could ever take preeminence over that day. Um, their hobbies, their friendships, their relationships, their education, their, their, uh, pursuits of a wife, none of that could ever be elevated above the day that the door was closed. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, I related that to our lives and the rapture, the coming of the Lord, or the end of our life, whatever that may be, the day our door closes, the day that, that Christ comes back, uh, we must live our lives. I preached with tears. Uh, most of the time, uh, I try to bring a lot of humor and laughter in my preaching. This time was different because I felt like I was speaking to an audience maybe for the last time and saying to them, all this other stuff has got to fade away in your mind or at least fall much further down the list of priorities. And the, the only thing that really, really matters is are you prepared for the coming of the Lord? Are you prepared for the day that you meet Jesus? And uh, it was heavy. It was uh, preached with tears, um, and it and it and it definitely was that way in part because um, I knew that this was kind of my last opportunity as their youth president to speak. Yeah, uh, I was when I saw the photos and saw your title and everything. I was thinking about just in my brief experience, young experience involved in in youth ministry in the district level, as far as church, you know almost nine years April, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got some rubber on the road. But as far as the district, it's just, it was so uh, alarming to realize some leave, like you were saying, and also they age out so quickly. Like, yeah. it's incredible how quickly people age out. Like, I don't know what people are doing to their kids. They're adding water and they just grow. <laughs> you were 12. And if you have, um, you know, with COVID, everybody was struggling to get camps going and and I just realized, like, if, you only have, like, two or three years to really solidify a generation. Yeah. And you, you just think, well, they'll be at camp from 12 to 18 or 12 to 17, and you have a hyphen camp. 
but just the 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 onus of realizing this may be my only chance to minister to them. And I, I was thinking about you in that moment because you've served for a lengthy amount of time, secretary and president. I, I felt um, some emotion thinking about it. Even yeah. if you were a stranger, I was like, that's, that's got to be a, a burdensome thing to do, a, a heavy thing to do, a joyful thing to do. I mean, you've served. It's a crescendo. It's a, uh, but it, it's got to kind of feel like your kid's graduating high school a little bit. Kind of, yeah. uh, you know, I've invested in, and this is you now. Go on, you know, live serve God. Um, I want to, you spoke about the future of, of the district and everything. And I, I was, when we were preparing this, I was praying over what kind of theme for the podcast. Um, and, and the mantle came to mind and the association of these two men, two generations, the, the minister that has become, the ministers is becoming, passing the mantle and how the mantle represented more than just an object and represented dreams and culture and how when one gives you a mantle, they're not just giving you the obligation of ministry. They're giving you the spirit of it, the preparation behind it, the perspective of God. And I was remembering how when Joseph told Jacob about his dreams, Jacob was like, why well, bow to you? He was offended at first. And I think it's because Jacob thought, well, God gave me dreams at Bethel. If God's giving you dreams, is God done with me? And then it turns out to be that Joseph None of his dreams were accomplished until first he got involved in all the burdens and dreams of everyone else. Because me and you, we can be Josephs, right? Under 40, I'm a Joseph. I'm, God's going to use me in a great way. We're, we're, life has still got a long runway, you know? And it's easy to be so geared in that mindset. But Joseph's dreams didn't come true until he invested in Potiphar, the baker, the butler, the jailer, and then ultimately Pharaoh. And then his dream came to pass, and he accomplished the dream of his father Jacob. Jacob's budding nation is going to survive this drought and famine because of what Joseph has done. And I think when 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 Jacob, Israel, comes in and he, he sees it, I think it clicked. He's like, oh, God accomplished both our dreams because we worked together. I wasn't yeah. your enemy. You weren't my enemy. Like this, no one can do this alone. This, this all works together. And he's laying hands on the next generation. How important do you think it is that we realize our dreams and our callings are not distinct things that they intertwine. They unlock one another. Like it, whether it's relationship with, with your pastor, relationship with, with those who went before you, those that are coming behind you. How important do you think it is that maybe you've seen things unlock within you as you invest in the culture or the vision of someone before you, or maybe you've seen as a student pastor and serving your district, you've seen people buy in to what you're, you're showing and you see them begin to, to, to lock in how important you think that is oh it's incredibly important you know we're we're one generation away from extinction yeah uh, you know if i can't pass on what was passed on to me and if my peer group my, our ministry you know generation can't pass on to the next generation uh what we value what we appreciate what we love will die with us mm -hmm. uh, so we have to, and, and I'm in that, I'm about to reach that transition phase. I think it was Scott Graham who said, um, he was at a convention and they said, we want all the ministers 50 and older to come to the platform. And, uh, they, they gathered up there and they said, now all the ministers 40 and under come and we're going to lay hands on you and, 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 uh, impart some, yeah. pass some mantles. And brother Graham said, he thought I'm 44. Uh-huh. That I'm I'm too 
young to give a mantle and I'm too old to get a mantle. <laughs> right. I'm too young to receive a blessing and too old to, I mean, I'm too old to receive a blessing and too yeah. young to give a blessing. <laughs> and I'm getting, I feel like I'm starting to reach that phase. I'm yeah. no longer a, a child. I'm no longer brand new at it. I yeah. am starting to enter that phase of my life and my ministry where it's, um, you know, take what I've been given. And of course, throughout my youth pastorate, I've tried to do that, but, um, but take what I've been given and pass it on. Brother Gleason, but Stan Gleason said at a leadership retreat at our church, he said, uh, you know, if you've passed your values onto your children, when you have grandchildren, Mm. if your children will pass on the values you pass to them, to their children, that's when you know, you've really done it. Um, a lot of people out of respect and honor for their parents will live a life, but when they start having their own family, their own generation, uh, they just can't hold their family to the same standard and expectation that they've was passed on to them and that they've even lived. Right. Um, so I want, you know, what my parents and my pastor and the men of God and the women of God that I've admired from a distance, what they have passed on to me, the only way I will feel that it's successful at all is if I can pass it on to someone else. Right. And um, I've seen I've seen people uh, catch the vision. I've seen people get involved in the vision. And it's that is so rewarding. If you try mm-hmm. to hoard it for yourself, you will uh, you will it, you're, you're missing out on great rewards. Um, one of the one of the initiatives you, you brought up our district youth ministry a little bit. One of the initiatives that we did was hashtag floor to 50. I wanted to see 50 students become a real McCoy and it didn't happen the first year and it didn't happen the second year, but we kept casting that vision and it was so exciting to see yeah. 51 students catch the vision, invest in the kingdom. Um, we could come back at our youth convention and say, Hey, this is what those dollars did. It went to this missionary and it went to this church grant. And, um, and, and I hope through that process, a love for missions, a love for souls, a love for church planners, a love for missionaries is being birthed in them. And that when I'm old and passed off the scene, they'll be passing it on to my children and and to my grandchildren. So I hope I know you have, you have, how old is your oldest, your oldest child? She's 10. So that's, you're two years away from her being, you yep. know, attending. I was yep. talking about that. My daughter's three and a half and, and, um, I was just thinking about just that she'll be at camp sooner than I, I realized. Yeah. And so if I felt kind of like, you know, it's, you can be burned for other people's kids, right? And like, bless right. God, they're going to be saved. But then it's your kid. You're like, Oh God, they need to be saved. Amen. And you, you know, you realize that whatever I can affect a camp that they will have, I can affect a tone they can have a culture. Um, how, how does that feel knowing in two years, like your, your, your kids going to camp. To oh, it makes camp. me feel old. <laughs> uh, it yeah. makes me feel old. Uh, it also, um, you know, my kids have been camp kids. Yeah. You know, I was a sectional director, then a youth secretary, then a youth president. So as far, especially my two younger ones, when we started running the camps, my oldest was five. My uh, youngest was a, an infant, was a mm-hmm. you know, baby. So they've spent their lives at camps. They love them. 
but when they go themselves as campers without mom or dad there and um my what it makes me think and my oldest has gone to kids camps uh children's camps and she loves them she's a church junkie um, mm-hmm. uh but what it makes me think is you know when when my peers when the the guys I've served on the youth committee with, when we're when we're old and, and beyond all of that, um, I pray that the guys we're preaching to today, the young ladies that we're preaching to today, will preach to my children what we preached. Yeah. I want this apostolic message to pass from me to an eighteen year old today so that when he's thirty and my baby girl who's who's six right now can be can receive the truth, the word of God, unadulterated, unfiltered, yeah. anointed, passionate. I've got to pass it to them so they can pass it to my children. So my children can pass it to my grandchildren. And this cycle will never end. This cycle will never until the trumpet sounds. It right. is our duty to share what has been shared with us. I think that we often say that Elisha, his dream was a double portion. But I honestly do think with the context of scripture, I don't think this breaks the Bible. Someone could come at me if they do, if it does. But I feel like it was Elijah's dream too. Like, I feel like everyone wants to see those that follow them have a double portion. I don't think it was a competition of sorts between Elijah and Elisha. I feel like he saw someone and he's like, you know what? Like, if you go further than I do, if you experience things I don't, I'm all for it. God bless you. And so on. Man, you, you crushed it. The last question was about legacy and it was about uh, being used. It was about what your hope for the next generation is and, and, and specifically carrying on uh, culture and everything, the mantle. And you already answered it. I, I, I don't want to make you try to answer that again. I think you did fantastic with that. And I, I, I know that people are going to catch this. Um, I've been saying every episode, you know, can one podcast change the world? And it's like, well, let's just take a stone and throw it at a giant and let's see what happens, you know? Um, which I was telling my, uh, I've been preaching hellfire and brimstone to my daughter before bed the last couple of nights. I'm like, people died in the flood because they didn't obey God or their parents. And I'm calling, yeah. I'm like, and let's pray. And, uh, she got in trouble the other night and she said, she's three and a half. Um, and she, I went to leave, but she got in so much trouble and she was in, in timeout. And uh, she said, God, please forgive me for, for lying to my parents. And I was like, timeout's over, sis. You, <laughs> you have been delivered. <laughs> oh, man. Amen. Oh, man. Any final words you want to leave with? I know most Kentucky people are going to watch this. People, who knows who's going to see this? Any final closing words you want to leave with, with the people? Uh, sure. The, just the theme of uh, Elijah and Elisha and the passing of mantles and several times throughout this, it came to mind. And, and anytime you hear me minister, I'm going to reference my parents, my pastor, this minister, that minister, because people have impacted my life and I've, I've listened and I've, I've tried to hear and, and, and ingest. Um, I heard brother Graham say once, um, he said that some, that young people would occasionally come to him and say, I, I'd like for you to pray that your mantle would be passed to me. And he would say, no, he would say, first of all, I'm not done with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, for Elisha to get Elijah's mantle, Elijah, Elijah effectively had to die or at least <laughs> take it off the scene. No, I'm not done with it. And then also, Brother Graham would add, you know, I, I spent years 
days, months, weeks, hours, uh, early mornings, late nights, um, pursuing this mantle from the Lord. Yeah. And um, to just give that to you would be a disservice to you. Mm. The pursuit of the mantle of your father or your pastor or a minister that you have seen from afar, um, pursue the Lord. Pursue the Lord, and the Lord will place on you what He sees fit to place on you. Yeah, and um, emulating men and women, and 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 trying to take a little piece of them and a little and and pray, covet those gifts that they have. The scriptures say to covet the gifts. All of that is great, but our our primary pursuit is the Lord. Right. And as we pursue the Lord, He will make with us something that He can use. And, and a mantle will rest on you. This is my, my final saying. In, uh, in the story of Elijah and Elisha, the fiery chariot go, goes and a mantle falls and Elisha picks it up. In the New Testament, it's the Holy Ghost that comes in fire and falls on us. Um, we, have, we have the mantle of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're allowed, not just have received the Holy Ghost, but we allow the Holy Ghost to fill us. Yeah. We can have the mantle of the Lord upon us, which is greater than any mantle or any legacy of an elder minister. The mantle, the legacy, the, the, the ministry of an elder is, is vital. It is important. Right. We cannot do without it. But... Make your pursuit of the mantle of the Holy Ghost, your pursuit of the mantle of Jesus Christ to be your primary pursuit. And all these other things will be added unto you. Well, amen. Amen. Everybody, I thank you for your time. I thank you for investing in us. And everyone listen to this. This could be just in passing for you. You could listen to it here or there. Or you really could let it speak to you. I, I heard a wise man say once, the door to understanding is only open from within. So today... Brother BB, we, we we knocked on the door of people's hearts. We gave yeah. wisdom. We you gave practical knowledge. You gave a beautiful soapbox. I mean, all the above. <laughs> but they got to open it up. And so I, my prayer and the prayer of the Kentucky District is that 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 the burden of today, when it's presented to you, you'd open the door and you take inventory. You'd be inspired. You'd be convicted. You'd be you'd be burdened by it all. And I think you'd be blessed by it. So thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Amen. Ministries podcast. God bless God you. Thank bless. you, Brother BB. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Podcast, presented by Mantle Ministries and the Kentucky District UPCI. Thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Podcast, presented by Mantle Ministries and the Kentucky District UPCI.